This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to the This Week in Rays Baseball Podcast. Here's your host, Neil Solons. Well, thanks for joining us. We hope you're enjoying the postseason. This is our second podcast of the postseason and second of the offseason as well. Uh, joining me now is uh, my good friend Andy Freed. And Andy, uh, you know, I, I'm kind of curious uh, because, uh, you know, a big part of the offseason, we get to spend more time with our kids. Uh, has Casey taken up a rooting team in the playoffs? Because my kids have right now, and we'll touch on that in a second. <laughs> yes, and hello, good, good friend Neil as well. Yes, he, he is, and, and yet it changes from kind of day to day during game to game. So you never, you know, six-year-olds can be rather uh, fickle. So he, one day he says he wants the Red Sox to lose, and then the next day he's sad because he saw David Ortiz crying. So it's, <laughs> you know, a six-year-old sees it the way they do, and I think he's just enjoying the fact that there have been some day games, which mm-hmm. I know you and I remember very much growing up. We could come home from school and watch a playoff game going on, and I know he does too, and you know, as soon as it gets to the LCS, everything is pretty much going to be switching towards mostly nighttime, and it gets much harder for kids to watch. But the good news is, as you know as well, on MLB at bat, the first thing he does in the morning is find out what happened with the highlight packages they put together from the games the night before. So that, that's, you know, it's the bad and the good of being a kid today. If we had had that as kids, that would have been kind of cool. It would have. Uh, my 8- and 10-year-olds are rooting for Cleveland. Um, I don't know if they've picked up on Daddy's rooting interest or the fact that they really liked Brandon Geyer and Lindsey Geyer's older child, Riley. They have nicknamed the Indians the Flying Rileys, and they are, <laughs> they are rooting hard for the Indians. So I'm okay with that right now. They're the, they're the small market, small revenue team, and uh, it's, it's kind of enjoyable to see what they accomplished in the opening round. I couldn't agree more. I, I find myself rooting for the Indians more than, than any of the other teams going that, that are left. I mean, I, I kind of like the Orioles. Uh, of course, they lost in a wild card game, but not only being from Baltimore, but I really I respect a lot of what the Orioles have done uh, and Buck Walter uh, turning that whole franchise around. It uh, I was rooting for them, but uh, now that it's gotten to this point, very much for the Indians, not just because of the small market thing, but I just think overall as a market, you know, Cleveland has always taken it on the chin, and and they just ha- they haven't won anything. Also, you know, it it's funny how some markets seem to get the the sympathy nationally. Uh, whether it be in Boston or, of course, in Chicago now with the Cubs, but Cleveland just gets the shaft. I mean, that they finally won something with their basketball team, and now their baseball team's doing great, and people are going nuts in Cleveland. So I'm very happy for that town. I'd love, I would love to see the Cleveland Indians win. They have nearly as much of a sob story as it seems like the Red Sox have had. They've come so close to winning before and then go through these droughts that will go on for seven or eight years. So they're there, and, and I'll tell you what, and you could probably speak to this also, Neil, through Kevin Cash, you know, even though we don't really know Terry Francona that well, through Kevin, I have much more of an appreciation and a like for Terry Francona uh, than, I, than when he was managing the Red Sox. So uh, knowing how good a guy he is, uh, I would love to see him uh, do something there with Cleveland and really kind of 
then reach that legendary status as manager. And, and Kevin's not, and Tito, Kevin and Tito is not the only connection we, really we have. I mean, you've got Chris Jimenez, who we, you know, all obviously enjoyed when he was here, Brandon Geyer, uh, Matt Cutrero, Mickey Calloway. I mean, there, there's a good number of Rays connections um, with the Cleveland Indians as well, and a lot of likable guys on that side. Very much so. And, and the one that really rings with me, and you were indicating it before, is Brandon Geyer. I mean, Brandon is one of those guys that you really root for because you know, not everybody is going to be a super, superstar in this game. And they're, to me, baseball is all about guys like Brandon Geyer. Hard workers, uh, they're, they're trying to do the right thing all the time. You know, they may make their mistakes, but they're trying to do the right thing. Uh, whatever asked to do, he was happy to do it, and he has such a terrific family. You mentioned Lindsay also. I, I miss seeing, seeing all of them uh, very much. Uh, I think Brandon Geyer can definitely be a part of a winning team. I wish it was with the Rays, uh, but I'd love to see that he knocked in a big run against the Red Sox early on uh, 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 in what was a game two, I think, against David Price, and he just he fills a role so well. And as you know, you need guys like that to win in this day and age because – Whatever lefty the Blue Jays are going to bring in, whether it be starting Jay Happ or bringing in Brett Cecil or whatever they do, that's where Brandon Geyer can shine. And, and things did balance out a little bit against right-handers. But remember, there was a while, too, this year that he was, he was crushing right-handers also. But just from a personal standpoint, Brandon Geyer is the one that rings home with me, and I know you, too. He, he's a terrific guy. No doubt. And, and when I look at the two, you know, the two teams that advanced, Toronto and Cleveland, to me, what stuck out is that Boston and Texas, there were a lot of questions before the season started. Maybe not the regular season, but certainly before the season about their starting rotations. And when we got to the playoffs, the rotations for Boston and Texas were flat. And not that Toronto and Cleveland were great, but they certainly were clearly better from a starting pitching standpoint. Well, that's why you can't predict these, these postseason series anymore. I mean, I've been saying this since... You know, the, the division series came around. That first round is such a trap series for, I mean, look, you, mm-hmm. you could, it's pretty easy to make the case, actually, that the Rangers and the Red Sox uh, were the better teams uh, going in. I mean, if you look at their body work over the course of a full season, the, both those teams supremely talented. Uh, and I, I think even position by position, probably more talented at most positions than the teams they were facing, the Indians and the Blue Jays. But, you know, you could look at that series, and I'm thinking, how are the Indians going to win a game? I mean, they don't have Salazar. They don't have Carrasco. Kluber was just coming off the DL, hadn't pitched in forever. And lo and behold, they get three terrific starts. You know, Josh Tomlin ends up pitching a game of his life uh, to this point at Fenway Park and dominated that lineup, which looks so good. Uh, you just can't predict. And then the Blue Jays got hot. I mean, you, you could make the case, too, that the Red Sox and the Rangers got a little stale. You know, as it turned out, the Rangers' last win was the one against the Rays on the Friday night, which was the last game that they really played their full starting lineup you know, for, the, for the whole game when they were clinching home field. That was the win against the Rays. Saturday and Sunday, they had a lot of their other guys in. So their regulars had not really played for almost a week, really about five full days. Uh, and maybe that does cost you. But it came down to the fact, too, that Darvish and Hamels weren't, weren't particularly good. But, uh, you know, that, that division series, a best of five. Man, what, what, a, what a risky proposition. And look at what the Cubs, I mean, the Cubs had the life scared out of them by the Giants, even though clearly the Cubs are the better team. But that's, that's just the nature of baseball right now with the five-game division series. And, and we'll get to the Cubs in a little bit. One, one thing that also stuck out, I mean, you mentioned Texas, and the starting pitching was certainly an issue. But, boy, their defense up the middle, you saw that in the last series. I mean, Ian Desmond wasn't great in center. 
Elvis Andrus at short, Rugnet Odor had so many errors at second base. It's not a great team up the middle. Jonathan Lucroy had a key pass ball in the in the Toronto series in that last game. I think that might have been one of their major issues, at least in the short span. And don't we know it, too, that if you have a hard time up the middle, you're going to have a hard time winning games. I mean, especially as, as we've talked about, and you've talked about so many times on This Week in Rays Baseball and these podcasts, when Kiermaier was out, mm-hmm. and then you had a question mark at shortstop in Miller, and you had Forsyth out, and you had the catching situations. How do you win? You can't. There's too many baseballs that get hit to that part of the diamond that if you're not going to make the everyday play, you're giving the other team basically about 30 to 32 extra outs, uh, 30 to 32 outs to get, maybe about five or six extra outs than the normal 27 in a baseball game. And in postseason, this is why you know, one of the lessons that Lou Pinella taught, taught us in our first year was that in the postseason you want to have pitchers that can get strikeouts because you take some of the onus, and not all of it, but you take some of the onus off of your, off of your defense. And that, that really rang true to me during that series. The teams were putting it in play against the Rangers, and their defense was not coming up to the task. And, you know, think of it, too. The Rangers last year probably beat the Toronto Blue Jays if their defense up the middle doesn't mm-hmm. let them down in, in the same way that they let them down this year. So, you know, maybe, maybe that's the way they can get better. But the Rangers were my pick going in, and, and seeing them, I thought they were a very, very good team. But keep this in mind, too, the Rays – who had the second-worst record in the American League, they, they beat the Rangers in the season series. So they certainly weren't infallible, but uh, they were a very, very good team. That, that, man, that, that when you, they ended up playing three more days in the race, and same for the Red Sox, too. And, and I like the fact that uh, as we go to this ALCS, we've got two teams in Cleveland and Toronto that are really good up the middle. I mean, we know how good Kevin Pillar is. I mean, Francisco Lindor is about as good a shortstop as you're going to find. I think both teams have been good behind the plate in terms of catching and throwing it. I'm kind of looking forward to this series a lot for that reason. Very much. I couldn't agree more. And you know, in I would say about August when we felt like, or at least I felt, like, all right, we've seen enough of these teams to figure out. Okay, the Yankees—they're not going to have enough. Uh, the the Blue Jays, the Red Sox, and the Orioles. The Orioles—they're starting pitcher may teeter them out a little bit. The Red Sox are having some bullpen issues. Uh, their late bullpen was going rough for a while. I remember saying on the air several times that I thought the Blue Jays were the most complete team of what was then the three going for the division title. Uh, and much of the reason being for what you're saying, I think their defense is fantastic. Mm-hmm. If you look up the middle, I mean, to me, the, the one somewhat weak spot in their infield was second base. Remember, Ryan Goins was very good for them last year, and Devin Travis definitely has some flaws at second base. And Encarnacion at first is, is just kind of so-so, but you know, the rest of their are, fielders are very, very good. Uh, I do think Batista's not quite the same in, in right, which is why we've seen him DH a little bit also. But how about a guy like Ezekiel Carrera coming up? You remember the big home run he had against the Rays down the stretch that just kind of tucked into the left field uh, corner? He's come up with some very, very big hits for them, too. But that and the Indians' defense also, I agree, they are fantastic. And the one guy that is so intriguing about the Indians, because he always seems to come up with a big hit, is this guy, Jose Ramirez. Yes. So every time the, the Indians had a walk-off, and they had to have led the league in them this year, it seemed like they were having one a week, and they'd go like whole weekends with like walk-offs all weekend long. Jose Ramirez had either a walk-off hit or the, a big hit to cue things going on. So that's one of those guys that tells, it tells me that he, he really enjoys the spotlight. I am really looking forward to this division series uh, because I love the fact that it's different teams in it. You know, I don't think that the TV played up enough in the first round, and I wonder if they will in the second round, that this, I don't want to say it's a last hurrah for the Blue Jays, but that roster is going to see a pretty big turnover, especially from a, a major superstar standpoint, 
from this year to next year. You know, Blue Jays can fans, they can have all their signs up about, you know, Edwin and Jose, we love you, stay. But when it comes down to it, it comes down to look, say what David Price did last year. He's going to go, they're going to go to the, to the biggest money. And usually free agents do not sign or re-sign in Toronto. I'd be very surprised if they do. So to me, this is a last hurrah, in a sense, for this core of Blue Jays uh, players. And that's, uh, I think if, if I were the networks, I would play that angle up because that, to me, is a very compelling part. You, know, you and I know that, that the, the Blue Jays knew that this window was closing about a year or so ago, and that's why they made some of the trades that they made. So to me, this... This is a series with tremendous urgency for the Toronto Blue Jays because their roster is going to change. No question about it. And, and as I look at this series, Andy, I mean, to me, I think Toronto has an edge in starting pitching, if only for the fact that Cleveland may have to bullpen it in game four. But then I look at the Indians on the bullpen side, and we know how important bullpens are in postseasons. The way that Terry Francona can use Andrew Miller and the way he used him against Boston can also be their major advantage. How do you look at this series? Yeah, I, I'm curious how, I mean, it's, you're playing riverboat gambler a little bit if you're Terry Francona. I mean, he knows that his starters, and now especially knows, too, that Salazar will not be available for the American League Championship Series. There was some question about maybe he could sneak in there a little bit. I mean, there, there are many questions. You know, five-game series and seven-game series are very, very different. Um, let alone a, a full season. But uh, that being said, I don't. Know, I mean, Miller seems to be one of those guys that has said, "Use me whenever you want to use me." But you know, is he going to use him in the fifth inning for innings five and six one day, and then can he go back to using him for seven and eight the next day? I, I don't. Mm-hmm. How much can one guy pitch? I mean, he's vitally important. But how many games can you expect to win when you're only getting? You know, you might only get four or five innings out of your starter. That that can, you know, I'm not even saying from a from an innings threshold or anything like that. It's just about winning in that moment. You know, remember Larusa did some of that also in 2011 uh, with the Cardinals, and it worked. And it comes down to the fact too, as you know, if if it works, the manager looks like a genius. If not, he looks like, you know, a, a failure. And that's, you know, we've already seen that on both ends in in this postseason with why a manager leaves one guy in and doesn't, you know, Buck Showalter is dealing with some of that now, though he never got to his best pitcher in the wild card game where the Indians have just said, I'm, I'm going to use everybody when I want to use them and win today and worry about tomorrow tomorrow. So that, that's going to be a, a really you're right, interesting part of this LCS for the Indians. I'm going to say from my end, I'm going to go Toronto with my head and Cleveland with my heart. I, I think the, the longer series, I think, does give the Blue Jays the edge. I, and, and, and Toronto also showed they could win on the road. I mean, they already took the two games in Texas so they can handle the big crowds as, as much as it's helped Cleveland this year. I'll say, I'll say six games. I, you know what? Uh, just to be different, uh, because I, I, I tend to agree. I think Toronto in six makes sense. I'll go a step farther just to say that we can play this back. I'll say Toronto in five. <laughs> I, I, I do see them as a, as a more complete team. Uh, if Osun is healthy and Grilly's doing what he can, then they can shorten games too. Estrada as we know, has, has been very, very good. And his fastball and change are fantastic. Stroman is continuing to be a good pitcher, and he seems to like the, the spotlight down the end. And I just think Jay Happ's a 20-game winner, so I, I'll go Blue Jays in five just, just to one-up you. All right. Uh, Cleveland and Chicago certainly would be the great TV matchup because yes. of two teams that need it. I've, I've watched enough of the Cubs to wonder – whether it's the Nationals or the Dodgers, I think those teams are too flawed to win a seven-game series. I really do. Yep, I feel I feel the same way. I mean, I, you know, I, and just from an emotional standpoint, I mean, I just you love Ben Zelbrist and you love Joe Madden, and you know, Joe has just done so many great things. I think for the game of baseball that 
you know, I would love to see him finally be able to pop the champagne cork on the last game of the year. Like he's been saying, we want to win the last game. He said that with the Rays for all these years. Uh, I would, I would, I'm very happy for the Cubs, regardless of you know the 108 years and all that stuff. That 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 to me is more set aside. You know, when when you're in this, and you and I are fortunate enough to be in this, you you make friends and you you feel really warmly and strongly towards individuals. I was so happy to see. Ben Zobras get that big hit the other night, and that was the hit that really fueled the rally against the Giants uh, in that deciding ninth inning. Uh, and then, you know, when Joe Madden pinch hit for Addison Russell, I'm sitting there going, what is he doing? Mm-hmm. I could not figure that move out. And then he baited Bochy into doing what he did, and then he got, he got uh, Contreras in there, and he gets the big hit. So it's, you know, Joe's not afraid to make these sort of moves. I, I find myself very, very happy for the Cubs. You know, regardless of all the curses and all that, I just find myself rooting for them. And both the Dodgers and the Nationals, I, I can't believe the Dodgers got this far. I mean, to me, the Giants and the Dodgers were such beneficiaries of being in a very, very weak division um, in the National League West. So I, I, I'm going to say tonight, I think Scherzer pitches a gem, and they'll, it'll be Nationals and Cubs, and I see the Cubs winning that within five or six also. I'll go with you there. I think if the Nationals had Strasburg, I think this would be a much different series yeah. uh, You know, uh, against Chicago. I think, to me, the National League is the weaker league. We said that all year. Uh, you know, I would have loved to have seen the Cubs trying to go through the teams in the American League in terms of a playoff because I think they would be much more challenged to get to the World Series with those clubs than they would the, the current group they face in the National League. They would not have won 103 games if they were in the American League. I mean, I think, and, and that being said, I think some of the American League teams this year, if they were in the National League, they might have also won 103 mm-hmm. games. But that being said, I mean, the Cubs have a terrific starting rotation, and I, I was so surprised at how uh, the Giants pitching, which, you know, was, was, was really good, uh, they got most of their offense from their pitchers. How bizarre was that? Whether it be Wood or Hendricks or Arietta um, with a three-run home run. I mean, that was... That was just nuts. So I, I do love the unpredictable nature about it. And, Neil, I remember last year uh, saying, or was it last year or two years ago, on one of these podcasts, I, I said that the, I think it was, we might have been doing this two years ago, and it was Royals and Orioles, and I said, I can't see this not going seven, and it ended up being a four-game sweep. So, you know, these predictions are, are, are nutty because you really can't predict it. But uh, I, I can see a Cubs-Blue Jays series, but I'm with you. I, I would love to see the Cleveland Indians. That's a, you know, we probably see the Blue Jays too much. Mm-hmm. to know that they can be kind of an annoying team. <laughs> and not because of their talent, just because of their complainers. And I get tired of Batista and his acts sometimes. Uh, but, you know, I love a guy like DeMarlo Hale. I'll go way back with him, and I'd love to see them do well. But uh, my, my heart is with you. I'd love to see Indians-Cubs. No doubt. Uh, in terms of the offseason, it also can be unpredictable. But really what's happened so far for the race, I would say fairly predictable. Uh, Dana Eveland. Uh, Justin Marks, Jeff Decker, Juniel Caracudo taken off the roster. Kind of the start of the process here in the offseason. And a few of those guys could end up signing minor league deals and be back in camp too. Yeah, of those four, I mean, I know the Rays really kept feeling that Dana Evelyn could do something. And I can understand <clears throat> where they're coming from. I mean, he, I can understand when he gets ahead in account that, that he can start to get guys to chase. But he just didn't throw enough strikes with that big breaking ball. But you know, I, I could see him signing to a minor league deal. I, I don't think he wants to retire. He, he's, he's one of those guys that they're going to have to, as they say, rip the uniform off of him. I mean, I thought Justin Marks was surprisingly good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised at all if they signed him to a minor league deal, and, and he could be a part of things. Let's not forget he's left-handed also. And I thought he seemed to have a pretty good head on his shoulders and didn't panic in, the, in those moments where he was 
you know, maybe struggling with his control or, or just wasn't dominating. He, he could be, look. There are there are many many jobs available in this bullpen. Uh, so uh, to me, I, I'm with you. I wouldn't be surprised if maybe those two guys individual uh, end up getting re-signed to minor league deals if it works out with the Rays. I think they, especially Marks, could play some sort of a role. But you're right; it's just the beginning process, and I think it's hard to keep up, uh, and it's very hard even for the ca- especially for the casual fan, to understand why certain moves are made. But uh, those, those, none of those four, it was a real surprise. No doubt, and we'll have more on the Rays off season as it goes. Um, and our next podcast, we'll take a look at the World Series. Uh, Andy, I hope you enjoy the rest of the post uh, the playoffs, and certainly we'll be talking to you plenty this off season. Absolutely, and good for the for the flying guyers, and let's let's uh, pull for them, and and uh, we'll keep Casey uh, up to date with that MLB.com app, and first thing in the morning. Sounds like a plan. That's Andy Freed on our latest podcast. Now, our next one again, we'll focus on the World Series, and the other thing that we'll do is I'm going to be going to the Arizona Fall League from the 23rd to the 26th of October. So after that, we'll have our next podcast. We'll probably have a little bit from the Fall League, and plenty more to come this off season. Thanks for being with us. Enjoy the baseball. We'll talk to you soon.